0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to 2022, everybody, even if I say the sports calendar doesn't reset till after the Super Bowl. It's a new year, and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best wagering action in the new year. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take a podcast live on the Believe podcast network. Except it isn't live because, as always and forever, except when it was a radio show, it is a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Hope you are having a fantabulous day here with a fantabulous episode kicking off. Gage Bridgeford is back. I thought he would be more upset about the Packers. He was not. We had a great conversation here today. Very excited to talk to you about that. One of the things we started dabbling into that I wanted to talk about real quick here before we got into it is this growing conversation about Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee and he said that he would let the Packers know before free agency what his plans were and how things were going to go. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been remarkably open about this transition mostly because he had I mean Pat McAfee has access to him every single week and Pat McAfee is willing to put him on not ask him hard questions and let Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers in whatever way shape or form that may be as his friend and AJ Hawk as his friend and all of that is access to a really Great quarterback that has not happened really in the past 20, 30, 40 years of NFL football where we have easy and available access to a part of a quarterback. Like There are media interviews all the time. Quarterback speak is a term that gets used a lot, but we have remarkable access to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers strategically puts out that he will let the Packers know by the time... They hit for agency, which is a benefit to Rodgers because his value is higher as more teams don't fill their quarterback roles. So this will come to a conclusion longer than last year when we dragged it out for three, four, five months with the Aaron Rodgers situation and kept building content out of the will he won't he leave situation when it was never in doubt that he was going to leave. He was going to be a Packer no matter what, because when push came to shove, Aaron Rodgers could have made it ugly, he could have burned bridges in Green Bay, and he didn't want to go that far. He was willing to moderately make it ugly with the situation that he was in in order to get his way in Green Bay. But ultimately, he got the deal that allows him out of the deal at the end of this year, relatively minimal cap hit. And I'm not really that interested in the process of Aaron Rodgers requesting a trade because ultimately this was set up a year in advance and Aaron Rodgers got infinitely more interesting over the past year as he becomes really a a leading voice for libertarian politics in America and wants to become a lead voice for that ideology with his platform of being one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of football and the unvaccinated lying situation that is infinitely fascinating on a grander level than who will Aaron Rodgers play for next year. Because ultimately, there is no better football situation than the Green Bay Packers. For this year, for next year, for the year after that, there is no better football situation Aaron Rodgers can find than playing for the Green Bay Packers. There are better football situations than the Packers, just Aaron Rodgers can't find those options. His options are the Steelers, a fine team, You know, It's not as great as the Packers, but a fine team with a good core of players, good core of weapons who Aaron Rodgers will obviously elevate, and a pretty good defense, not as good as the defense was a couple years ago. The point being, it's not really that interesting to me. The thing that's more interesting is what will happen after we know where Aaron Rodgers is going. Because ultimately, Aaron Rodgers set up his contract to dictate where he ends up going. He has a no-trade clause, and it's now easy to move off of him. Aaron Rodgers will go play wherever Aaron Rodgers wants to go play, even if that means Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to put himself in the best position to win championships, which by the way, no shade to Aaron Rodgers for not wanting to put himself in a position where he doesn't want to win championships. It has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers' character or anything to do with Aaron Rodgers as a competitor, like... The dude is in the back end of his career and maybe wants a chance to be a general manager type with that level of power. Now, unfortunately for Aaron Rodgers, he's probably going to have to go to an inept organization in order to do that. But maybe it's a team with a solid general manager, a solid foundation for the team. I don't think the Steelers, if they got Aaron Rodgers, would be the team to cede power in decision-making to Rodgers. But then again, Kevin Colbert, the general manager for 20 years, is retiring So maybe Aaron Rodgers values that. Maybe Aaron Rodgers values the location that he's going to play for. Maybe Aaron Rodgers values... I don't know what Aaron Rodgers values is ultimately the point. We can speculate, we can guess, but I have no idea what Aaron Rodgers values because I don't know Aaron Rodgers. And this was the thing that I talked about before with Aaron Rodgers and his political opinions and Aaron Rodgers lying about vaccination status. Aaron Rodgers... Can I'm not going to pass judgment for the decisions Aaron Rodgers makes on that because who am I to pass judgment in this situation? But it's infinitely fascinating that Aaron Rodgers, from a leadership standpoint, has not been at the forefront of leadership because Aaron Rodgers wanted it both ways. Kyrie Irving, when he was making his stance about being an anti-vaxxer, was willing to sacrifice. Aaron Rodgers wants it both ways. Aaron Rodgers wants the yes people in his life, and Aaron Rodgers also wants the power to make decisions. Aaron Rodgers wants to complain about the, the woke mob cancel culture hashtag gang that ends up chasing him down, but also has greater platforms to talk about these things than ever before. And he'll go on Joe Rogan's podcast at some point here coming up in the near future, and that will only enhance the platform to a certain segment of the population. I Again, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers wants to be a voice for libertarian politics and libertarian ideology in you know, in the next few decades, if that's our next couple years, I guess next few years, if that's what he wants to do as part of his post NFL transition, I'm not sure if that's what Aaron Rodgers wants. Because again, I only have the clues that Aaron Rodgers drops and things that are leaked in and out that only give us a small picture of who Aaron Rodgers is. And and people again always point to the small things they know, like people know Aaron Rodgers. doesn't talk to his family, but people associate that as a negative point for Aaron Rodgers. And I've always associated that as Aaron Rodgers has a level of perspective or he's holding a grudge all the way through and through. But Aaron Rodgers has a level of perspective where he's gotten to a point where he has more opportunities outside of his family and has decided to place a higher value on those. It could be either or, I just don't know the situation, but even that little thing is something people really grabbed onto with Aaron Rodgers and so because I don't know what Aaron Rodgers wants I can't even speculate where he's going to end up going because Aaron Rodgers chooses where Aaron Rodgers goes whether that's going to the Steelers going to the 49ers if the 49ers are interested the Broncos the Raiders whoever else is connected to Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers picks where Aaron Rodgers goes and if a team says no then Aaron Rodgers picks another one and another one and another one but because I don't know Aaron Rodgers I don't care to speculate where he's going to end up going. Ultimately the thing I would find most fascinating and you know commendable on his part in in like figuring out who he is is just him deciding to go back to the Packers and saying, "Look, I and and he might actually say this. Like he's the one quarterback who might actually be vocal about this when he says I don't want to be a part of a rebuild in Green Bay. I'll talk to Gutenkunst and Lafleur and the the, the team. The, I forgot the name of the CEO, but they have a CEO, not an owner. We'll talk about what the game plan is going forward and then make our decisions accordingly. Like, he's the person who's open enough to say that instead of giving us quarterback speak and no interesting quotes. Aaron Rodgers is at least more willing to give you the the truth I say this in air quotes about his football situation, a more open truth than other quarterbacks would when corporate Russell talks about whether he's happy or not. And it's just all quarterback speak or Tom Brady does quarterback speak or Patrick Mahomes does some of the quarterback speak. You know, Aaron Rodgers is at least willing to give you more transparency, not total transparency, but more than we're used to from basically no transparency among quarterbacks. And Aaron Rodgers... If he went to a press conference afterwards and said, look, I've spent the offseason evaluating all of my options, evaluating the teams that were interested in me. I ultimately decided that the best football move would be to remain with the Green Bay Packers, and I'm going to continue to play for the Packers for another season. Total respect for Aaron Rodgers if he he made that move. Because, like I said, the best football move is far and away the Packers. The Packers team, compared to the Steelers, compared to the um Denver Broncos which is a terrible situation to inherit without an owner I mean the Packers don't have an owner but the Broncos don't have an owner the Raiders with that uh, inept ownership group um anywhere else you could point to the 49ers one would be maybe a better situation than the Packers but still you know pretty close um ultimately the best football decision for Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers will make any of those teams better like no question The best football move for Aaron Rodgers is to stay one more year with the Packers. Like, the Packers are a little bit over the cap. Some players are not going to come back. Other teams will add maybe a great player here or there. But ultimately, the Packers give Aaron Rodgers the best chance in 2022. And I don't know if that's what Aaron Rodgers values. So it'll be interesting to see if he does go somewhere else. But again, the speculation is kind of not worthwhile because no one knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do not even Aaron Rodgers because none of us actually know what Aaron Rodgers wants and that's not because Aaron Rodgers is crazy or Aaron Rodgers is you know makes irrational decisions none of us know Aaron Rodgers and so it's impossible to know what Aaron Rodgers wants because none of us actually know him so Let me know when he gets a team. That'll be more interesting to talk about than the whole process of him choosing a team because ultimately it's a lot of speculation, not a lot grounded in truth, people leaking things back and forth with agendas. It's not great to go through that analysis and go through those weeds the same way it wasn't great to go through those weeds the last five months of last year when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and he didn't end up actually leaving, so... I will not be following that speculation, but again, if Aaron Rodgers goes up and says, look, I went through all my options, chose to return to the Packers, it would be more transparency than I think any quarterback usually gives, and that's usually what Aaron Rodgers is good for at this point, is more transparent for whatever his agenda may be. You know, I don't know why Aaron Rodgers is more transparent now than he used to be. Tom Brady wants you to see more of Tom Brady, but he doesn't even do it in a way that's Um, I mean, it always supports Tom Brady because why would he say things that are honest and truthful about himself with introspection? Aaron Rodgers is at least willing to give you more of the ugliness behind the scenes where even Tom Brady put on a brave face when everything was falling apart in Tampa. At least Aaron Rodgers is willing to show us a little more of that. And maybe Aaron Rodgers looks around and says the grass is not greener on the other side and goes back to Green Bay. But it seems pretty clear that the best football option for him would be to stay in Green Bay. Um, And maybe that's not what Aaron Rodgers prioritizes. There's no shame if he doesn't. But anything other than that would be for the the football reason would be to stay with the Packers. Any other reason would be whatever Aaron Rodgers priorities are, which, again, we don't know because we don't know Aaron Rodgers. So what's the point of speculating if we don't actually know who Aaron Rodgers is and what he wants? Let's talk to Gage Bridgeford. New sponsor alert, people. It is the good people at Sheets and Giggles. I know it sounds funny. Sheets and Giggles. Sheets and Giggles makes 100% eucalyptus bedsheet sets, duvet covers, comforters, and throw blankets for people who like sleep. And who doesn't like sleep? I get eight hours of sleep every night, and now I'm sleeping on my new sheets and giggles eucalyptus bed sheets they are super soft temperature balancing hypoallergenic and static free shop sheetsandgiggles.com today and use our promo code take it easy for 10% off everything at sheetsandgiggles.com shop today and get the rest you so richly deserve at sheetsandgiggles.com let's see in that case how are you doing i think i know the answer but how are you doing I'm doing all right. I'm tired, but I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good Oh, good to good to know. I'm doing fantastic here. Um, I, I had said to close out when we talked last week that we would do the Bucks Packers Conference Championship revisiting last year's game over again this week. And uh, yeah, some dumb shit happened in the in-between of that. And now here we are with 49ers and Rams. And I'm sure you being bitter about how that one ended. Actually, how did you feel at the end of that 49ers Packers game?
1: I mean, it sucks, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, that's life. I mean, I've I at I'm old enough to still. I was old enough to remember Green Bay winning a Super Bowl, uh, so I do still have that memory. I understand that people don't that there are people out there that have never seen their franchise win a Super Bowl. They've never seen their team even make one, uh, let alone let alone win one. So yeah, it sucks, and I thought that this Green Bay team had a lot of the right stuff. But at the end of the day, they um, they were bad at special teams, and their special teams cost them. Their offense definitely let them down, but the the special teams were du- directly gave up ten points, and that's ultimately the was the deciding
0: factor in the game. So have you kind of been defeated by this? Because I know you said last week you're like in the back of your mind. They can lose this game. They can find a way to blow it. And I was saying, there's no chance they're going to blow it. They're so much better than the 49ers. And, you know, then it it didn't just happen. It was the most apocalyptic. I mean, other than maybe the the 2014 one, which is just like in NFL lore now, like the most apocalyptic loss possible for the Green Bay Packers, where, yeah, they were so much better. And then it, and what? Like, and it all fell apart afterwards. So, everything you were afraid of in the back of your mind came true. And I, I apologize for laughing at that before because, holy shit, everything that people joke about for the Packers, all the jokes about choking in the playoffs and, you know, two championships in three decades and playing at Lambeau when they should have built a dome stadium, like all of that was embodied in that one game. All of it at once came came full circle.
1: Well, you don't have, I mean, you don't have to apologize. People are right to get their jokes off. I mean, my, my, uh, forever reply to people that have, um, that make comments on the green Bay choking in the playoffs and this and that is always, is your team still alive? No, then you can go shove it, dude. I don't, I don't care. Uh, Bears fans, Vikings fans, Lions fan. I, I don't care, man. You can, you can make, try and pop all the jokes you want, but Two championships in 30 years, guess what? Minnesota, you have yet to win one. Chicago, you haven't won one in that time. Who cares? Oh, well, you had these elite quarterbacks. Okay. We still won Super Bowls, and you didn't. I don't care if we won two in 30 years. You've won zero in 30 years. Congrats. Um, And, I mean, and and at the same time, like, there's a reason that I said those things were in the back of my mind. Because – they are, I am as a, like, as a Packer fan, I sit here and I like have these, I have the ability to be realistic and open and honest about things like in plan for the worst. I have, I have a saying in life where I assume the worst, I can't be let down that way. And people are like, that's a really negative outlook on life. And I'm like, it's actually not. I'm like, if I assume the absolute worst possible thing is going to happen, and that doesn't happen, I'm not let down. I'm mm-hmm. that was that was the expectation. Green Bay, I was like, they're going to find a way to lose this game. There's a reason I didn't bet on it. I know a lot of people I bet on I bet on every other game this weekend, except that one. That was the only one that I didn't put money on. It spooked me from the very beginning. I was like, I want Green Bay to win, but I'm not gonna bet money on it because I am spooked by it. And I came
0: out of that game
1: thinking. I was right.
0: And it's interesting that you brought up that perspective because I do some of that too as well, where it's like, it can't get any worse than this. Therefore, it's not actually that bad. And it's a good perspective to have to realize that none of this actually matters. Like I remember seeing the, the video of the Cowboys fan that was crying with four minutes left in the game. And it made me think about how like some people do invest a large amount of their emotional stability in this stuff. So I think it's a good outlook there. But what was interesting is you brought up the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions, which has been kind of the definition of inept NFL football for the past 30 years with that division and then the Packers just dominating with the exception of you a know, uh, few years where the Bears were good, a few years where the Vikings had a good team. But other than that, it's been not a lot there. And it's interesting because – yes, the Packers have dominated them, and that's victories in and of itself. It just always felt like the Packers were playing a different game than those teams, though, which is, again, a matter of perspective, like you were talking about. If your expectations are we should have won eight Super Bowls in the past 30 years compared to we should have made the playoffs every single year, or you know, if you're the Lions, we haven't won a playoff game in those 30 years, yeah, expectations kind of change based on where you set the bar at. The Packers have been a you know more success than any other team in the NFC in the last fifteen years, but because they don't have a championship, they're regarded as a failure. It's all a matter of perspective.
1: Well, so if I, so like let's sit here and go and look back. Like in the last three years, you've had Tom Brady has won two of the last, or has won two of the last three Super Bowls. Uh, you've had Patrick Mahomes has been in the last two. Actually, Brady has been involved in three of the last four. No, four of the last – what the heck? Brady's been involved (laughs) in four of the last five Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. Then you have Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers, uh, Pat Seahawks. Oh, Brady again. Broncos, Seahawks. I mean, if
0: we're going to do this all the way through, remember that stat about the the AFC that for, you know, going back to Rich Gannon, it was the same four quarterbacks every year? Yeah, it was –
1: uh Roethlisberger Ben Brady and
0: I believe Flacco I think was the other one Flacco was the one but uh, I believe if you just count Ben Bree uh, no so Ben Brady and Manning it's every Super Bowl but two for 15 years and then Mahomes has had the last two so you know, Brady, Mahomes just kind of picked up the torch where they left off. In terms but so of I sit
1: here and I, most of what I was getting at is I sit here and I go back and I listen to people say, oh, well, Green Bay is underachieved and this and that. And it's like, yeah, they've underachieved to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's not like any other team outside of Brady has been just crushing it. I mean, the since Green one, Bay won the Super Bowl in 2000, February 6th, 2011, the only, I'm pretty sure, the only repeat Super Bowl winner in that time frame has been New England. I don't think anybody else has ever has won more than one Super Bowl.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That would be correct. But, yo, go, but go ahead and keep telling me that Green Bay is consistently underachieving. Guess well, what? So the they're they're winning games, still. they're go, making it to the playoffs. You're right, they're the not winning Super Bowls, though. they're still winning.
0: I was going to say there to that exact point that you brought up. The thing I've always found fascinating is the Packers have had more success than anyone in the NFC over the past 15 years. They've basically been to the equivalent of six conference championships, and this year was going to be seven. If you think, if you regard the Packers as an elite team this year, which we said this is the second best Packers team, so you could say that this was. Uh, This was the equivalent of a conference championship run. The Packers have had seven teams that were top four in the NFL. The next closest team is probably the 49ers with like four now or five teams that were that good in the last 15 years. And then after that, it's uh, a lot of parody in the NFC where my favorite stat is that in the last 15 years, 12 different franchises have made the Super Bowl from the NFC. And one of those is the 49ers who did it with two completely separate teams. So basically 13 different teams have been to the Super Bowl in 15 years in the NFC. But I think this is again, a matter of perspective is the Packers have been the best team in the NFC over the past 15 years. And they should, if not for the existence of Tom Brady and the Patriots dynasty, they should have had a Patriots type of run in the NFC, maybe not winning six championships because that took 20 years but they should have been at the very end more often than they did. They just got really unlucky a lot of times.
1: Yeah. And Green Bay did. I'm not like, I'm not going to sit here and say that Green Bay hasn't underachieved. I think that they have, I just more am focused on the, the people that want to pop jokes and, and, and it's like, okay, Green Bay hasn't won Super Bowls, but like they've at least been in the conversation. How many teams haven't even made like have barely made playoff runs in that standpoint, in that time. Like, oh, yeah. Rodgers is choked in the NFC Championship game all these times. How many times have you even been there, dude? That's like the no people that want to detract distract Rogers. against LeBron for making the NBA Finals and saying, oh, well, LeBron's only three and six in the Finals all time. And it's like, he still made it nine times, dude. Rodgers may not be winning all these Super Bowls. He's still made more NFC Championship games than, like, than any other quarterback has over the last 20 years
0: it's the Peyton Manning thing all over again, which is the same thing people said. I mean, I was barely alive for it, but it was the thing people said for 10 years with Peyton Manning is, well, he can't win the big one. He can't win the big one. Then he wins the big one. It's like, well, he can't do it again. You know, it's because, but there's the a slight Patriots difference. A the year.
1: slight difference is the fact that with Manning, it was because he was against Brady. Rogers has never had, never had someone in, in the NFC that was on his level
0: Mm -hmm. and versus Manning. It
1: was Manning Brady every year. I, this back, like when I was younger and I didn't understand how the NFL schedule worked. I thought the NFL just booked Manning against Brady every single year because they knew it would do good numbers. (laughs) I was just like, every year I was like, like, well, I mean, think about it because they both consistently won their conference or they both consistently won their division. So even the years where they weren't the two divisions weren't playing each other, you were playing against the number the the team that finished with the same like seed of you in their division. So that would have been Colts Patriots every year. So that's I legitimately thought that for the longest time. But no, so Rodgers has never had a Brady on his level. People argue Breeze or they'll argue Actually, that's it. Breeze is the only. It's person. Russell
0: Wilson, Legion of Boom. You could throw but, in there just as a but team, Russ, but no, quarter. no Russ
1: didn't start until like May- Rodgers had already won a Super Bowl by the time Russ came around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not, so yeah. like versus Manning and Brady basically came in at almost the same time. Manning was around for what, like one or two seasons before Brady
0: started. I mean, Manning was Manning was drafted 1998. Brady was drafted 2000, and Brady didn't start playing till 01. So yeah, they're, I mean, they're roughly the same age. I think Peyton Manning is a couple years older than, no so, Peyton Manning, I think is younger than Tom Brady. I think Peyton Manning is a year younger than Tom Brady. So anyway, the, the the point there
1: is just that Peyton was always compared to Brady. And while he, while people were, so Brady is 40, Brady's 44. He'll turn 45 this year. Manning turns 46 in March. So Manning is a couple years older, but so it's just, you sit here and you look at it from the, oh, well, Manning can't win the big one, but Tom Brady's always there, and that's kind of what the problem is. Everyone looks at Rodgers and says there's no excuse for him to not win. At a certain point, you have to overcome this or that, and it's like, okay, well, Brady consistently had top ten defenses. Rodgers basically never had those, and then the one time that he did, he won a Super Bowl. So, but no, I just – so I'm not bitter about it. It sucks, uh, but you move on, like that's just how it goes. I mean, I'm used to Green Bay losing in in the playoffs. So that's why, like I said, I didn't bet on the game because I didn't – I wasn't super confident or I wasn't fully locked in on the idea of Green Bay winning. I knew there was a path to them losing, and the way that they lost was the, was what I expected.
0: And the Brady Manning thing that I always find so interesting when people always bring up that era – because I saw – I saw it. I also had a conversation one time where we were talking about, so who's the Brady? I mean, if Mahomes is the Brady, who's the Manning, who's the Roethlisberger, who's the Phillip Rivers down line? I'm like, first of all, there's multiple quarterbacks that fill multiple lanes because there's so many talented quarterbacks now in the NFL and the gap between having a great quarterback and having a subpar quarterback is like your franchise is screwed. If you don't have one of those great quarterbacks, but at the same time, people view the NFL through that prism because the mid two thousands is regarded as this golden age of the NFL, where the NFL had taken the reins from baseball as America's pastime by a long margin. They're the sport dominating all the numbers. Everyone casually is getting invested in football. You could you have the obviously Patriots storyline, the Colts storyline, all the great teams from that. Uh, the Rams are in this mix too, or Kurt Warner, is always reflecting good American values on television. And that's regarded as the golden era, like before scandal, before concussions, before people kind of get turned off by football. So I think people still look at football through that prism because it's regarded as the golden age of the NFL, when everyone started coming into the sport, started falling in love with the sport, and for a lot of people kind of sticking around and viewing that as – the best possible time for football, just because so many new fans joined in that time period.
1: The NFL is in the golden age of, if you want to watch football and you want to watch an exciting product, now is the time to watch. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no way around that. The just with the way the rules are, they're set up to give, to make offenses more explosive, more high octane, more big plays. That's, that's the way you want it to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, personally, I think that that's the I think this is the best time to be an NFL fan. I don't care about the the people that say, oh, well, you can't touch the quarterback anymore or this or that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well, guess what, man? The quarterback makes money. OK, the quarterback makes the league money at the end of the day. That's what matters. The league making money.
0: And I agree with you 100% on that that we are it, it is always the the present time is usually the best time. It's not always the case, but a lot of the times that's the case and right now is probably the best time. It's just the NFL blew up in popularity and so in the classic trope of everyone thinks that the prime of their life was the best time to be alive whether it's the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, people regard the prime of their life to be the best time and so I think because everyone was getting invested in football around that time as like real sports fans or like real intense football fans. I think the NFL still kind of looks through that model and says, how can we replicate that? Well, that I mean, was that's, hugely that's foolish. It's just, that's the
1: same reason why baseball isn't, isn't successful. They're mm-hmm. focused that they're focused on the past, focus on the now. Guess what? In ba- Just talking about baseball. I don't care for the unwritten rules. I think the unwritten rules are stupid. I play baseball for 13 years, and I think unwritten rules are dumb. I love the game of baseball. I coach it, on it. I coach it every week, every day, and I think they're stupid. They're focused on the way, oh, this is the way the game was meant to be played. I'm telling you this. Mm-hmm. If you leave one over the plate and, not, and I'm up seven and I jack one, and then next time I come up, you smoke me in the back, I'm, I'm coming for you. I don't care. I, I, if if I'm up seven, are you done playing? Are you gonna stop swinging the bat? Like, no, you're not. You're gonna keep trying to come back. So you can't be mad at me for walk, for hitting one deep and then flipping the bat on you when I'm when we're smoking you because you're not gonna give up either. So you can't be mad at me. That's on you. And the NFL with the way with the taking away the celebration rules. Just stop. Stop trying to make the game not fun. The no well, funny thing it, is it is like it's a joke, but at the same time, it's true. We all and this is the other it. part
0: that this is the other part that baseball and football kind of have in common in this way is that the way that they're marketing the game in the past was look at the white quarterbacks and the faceless black players, or in baseball, look at all these white superstars and then a couple Latin guys here and there who are excellent, and they've. Even as the the even as the popularity of the sport has changed, as society's changed, it, they still go back to those models every now and then because they were successful in the past. Baseball does less of it now because you'd be hard pressed to find a vocal white superstar in the sport, and young people gravitate more towards Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., like guys with names that don't sound like Mike Trout, and at the same time baseball recognizes that we kind of it's financially beneficial for us to attach ourselves to those stars. Football's starting to do some of that too, but you still turn on commercials and you see JJ Watt, corporate face, Russell Wilson trying to be corporate face. Uh, Rob Gronkowski gets all the commercials. Julian Edelman gets the beer commercial or the hard seltzer commercial. And this is how the NFL succeeded in the past. They're moving away from it ever so slightly, but change takes slower when money suggests that this was a way that worked in the past and therefore we should keep that model going. It's why I think they're kind of pissed that Aaron Rodgers is kind of burning the bridge a little bit on that reputation, but the NFL will survive with or without Aaron Rodgers because they can pivot to Patrick Mahomes, who's now becoming corporate spokesperson and Baker Mayfield. And I assume Joe Burrow is going to be in every single commercial this off season. So the NFL can pivot to new people if they want to keep that business model alive and baseball too. baseball's doing it to a slightly smaller level than football. Cause baseball doesn't have like recognizable stars. I think I saw one time like Mike Trout is as recognizable as like Chris Levert to you an know average why? sports You know fan. why
1: Mike Trout is more recognizable?
0: Why is that?
1: Because baseball doesn't market him properly. He uh-huh. should be everywhere.
0: Oh, but that one is that one's a specific case where ba- both are true at the same time. Baseball doesn't market their stars well, and they tried to market Mike Trout when everyone complained about it. And Mike Trout just didn't want it. Mike okay, Trout then like, guess what? Nah. Go. Uh,
1: why wasn't Francisco Lindor everywhere after the World mm-hmm. Series run against the Cubs? Yep, he should have been everywhere. Tatis should be. Everywhere. He is to a certain extent, but it's not big enough. But, he, Tati, no, he should, should be, be on a
0: larger scale. He should be on billboards in New York City if baseball wants to do this thing right. Like He should be,
1: be, should be shoved down your throat the way that Zion Williamson was shoved down your throat when he came into the NBA. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that He should be everywhere, every time. You should get the Padres on as many primetime games as you can. At, every nationally televised game that you can get the Padres on, you need to do it.
0: So you've got me smiling at that possibility as a native born and bred San Diegan who loves me some Fernando Tatis and loves me some Padres. I'm all in on that idea, but I am with you all the way on this. These are two things that are true at the same time. It's that the baseball does a terrible job at marketing their stars and Mike Trout. I find it so fascinating. Mike Trout and Andrew Luck once did a body armor commercial where they had to put in the commercial Andrew Luck, NFL quarterback, and Mike Trout, famous baseball player, basically. I thought that was so funny because those two are kind of the same types where it's like they they don't want the spotlight. They could market the holy hell out of both of those people, and neither of them really wanted it. I find that part so fascinating, along with, like you said, baseball doesn't do a great job of marketing their stars. I know Shohei Otani wants it. But this is a whole nother difficult question, which is that baseball's had twenty years and a couple generations to mentally prepare themselves for having non white faces of the league. And now they're trying to grapple the fact of do we want to have an Asian face of the league? And this is something that baseball, which is like ninety-five percent white people in positions of power, is really trying to figure out and grapple with. Because they should do the same thing with Otani. Otani is a national sensation. Tatis is a national sensation. Those two should be doing everything that baseball, every bit of like national credibility that baseball has, they should be putting it towards those two guys. If they want to try and grow the sport.
1: And yet we'll continue to see the same guys every single year. We'll see more overall this Chapman hype. We'll see like every, every promo will be just the guy that it shouldn't be for their team. And that's Judge
0: (laughs) Aaron Judge,
1: judge Aaron judge. Yeah. It's just, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how we got into a baseball tangent about how baseball doesn't know how to market people all I know is I think Fernando Tatis and every other play if I was if I was as talented at a sport as those guys were I would break every unwritten rule on the planet I'm running it's for been- tri- I'm running for triples when we're up 20 in the top of the ninth I don't care.
0: It's great for your brand and the problem that baseball has and the reason that they talk about unwritten rules still is baseball doesn't want to offend fifty-five and or sorry, fifty-five point six year old white guy who is apparently their average demographic, I believe is fifty five point six. And
1: yeah, and but here's the thing. There. So you said the key word there, your brand. Do you know who the only people that are gonna hate you? It's gonna be the old white dudes. You know who's gonna love that? Young kids. Because that's Mm -hmm. the clip that gets shared on social media. The clip that gets shared on social media is Tatis hitting a triple, sliding into third, big cloud of dirt, getting up, getting the crowd hyped up. That's the clip that's going to be shared on Twitter. That's the one that's going on
0: Instagram. It's not the one hitting a a routine single. (laughs) And this is the difficult problem that baseball has been grappling with for 25 years, which is... 55.6 year old white guy has a lot of money. 15 year old kid may not have a lot of money. Maybe the 15 year old kid will get money eventually, but, but we Don't your baseball game is so cheap. Now. Yeah, I know. And baseball wants to collect money from television deals cuz cable television is king and they want to be able to get these regional TV deals cuz that you know that's where baseball the reason baseball has more money than the NBA is cuz of these gigantic regional tv deals and 162 games a year and yeah this is the issue baseball's been grappling with is do we want the money or do we want to grow the game they don't have to be mutually exclusive but but you can grow the not game willing to
1: compromise you can grow the game because what if you can grow the game by marketing to younger people because younger people will then take an interest in the game which will then take which will then involve the parent the older person seeing that hey the younger kid that i like that is my kid likes this game that i also like we like it for different reasons but that's okay because we both like the game and at the end of the day that's what matters
0: yeah and baseball could also continue marketing the game to women they could market the game to black americans and people uh i mean you could go to latin america they've already got a bunch of of a pipeline there shall we say of people who i think baseball is not like 35 percent latin and so. It's a sport where they've decided that we know where our bread is buttered and we want to we want to collect as much money as possible while we have the opportunity to collect said money. Because at a certain point, the sport I mean, the sport's already becoming regional just on a larger scale. But eventually the sport is going to continue to fade just as all sports are going to continue to fade in the as we move into the streaming age and the content age, like all of these sports numbers are going to start to decline. And so baseball wants to maximize it while they have the chance. And in the spirit of white America, push it on to the next generation or just, well, it's not our problem. Someone else will be in power by then. We just want franchise valuations to go up TV contracts to go up, et cetera, et cetera. And that means advertising to 55.6 year old white guy, which Again, they're not giving 55.6-year-old white guy enough credit that they'll evolve with the times because they love baseball no matter what.
1: I mean, this is why I think that you change the game and just force them to evolve with you or they get left behind. That's that's mm-hmm. the simplest way to do it. I mean, it's it's, like, it's not my money. I don't really care. All I know is baseball is not fun for me. Uh, w- baseball is not fun for me to watch because they take away the thing that makes the game fun. I – I I love – like last year, the Yeoman, uh mercedes situation. Him hitting a grand slam up big, and then your coach, old man, yells at Cloud La Russa, comes out and says, yeah, no, that was a mistake. He's going to get got for that. Come on, dude. T- 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 make the game fun. Do you know how hard it is to hit a home run? <laughs> you know how hard it is to hit – Do people understand how hard it is to one hit a baseball two to hit a baseball hard, like hit it well and hit it out of a stadium like at a professional level? I don't care that it was a lollipop and it was an easy ball to hit. It's still not easy to do. And yet you're gonna come out here and say, yep, nope, he deserved to get or somebody deserves to get hit for that. Come on, dude. That's why baseball's not fun. I don't I don't care about the speeding up the game. I don't care about the runner starting on second. I don't care about any of that. But you're taking away the stuff that makes the game fun. Cause what does everybody wanna see? You wanna see hits, you wanna see big plays, you wanna see triples, doubles,
0: home runs. That's what everybody wants to see.
1: It's just Or like pitchers it's, striking
0: just, everyone out. That's the other thing that people don't throw in there. If pitchers strike everyone out and they're just unhittable, people find that really cool. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no? No? Baseball, not, pur- not baseball purists like that.
1: <laughs> the average fan, which is who we're talking about marketing to, doesn't like that. They hate that because they don't get to see the fun and exciting thing. It's like a, a, to, to bring us all the way back to football, to finish off this, this, side, this side segment, it's what's fun in football. The big ball, the big play, whether it's a big, whether it's a fifty-yard run, a seventy-five-yard touchdown pass, like the the two, the final two
0: minutes of that Chiefs of that Chiefs Bills, or regulation. Von Miller getting a strip sack and then immediately snapping the ball twenty-five yards behind Stafford.
1: <laughs> just all of just all of that stuff, the that that stuff, the exciting play. That's what everybody wants to watch. So in baseball, when you strike everybody out, nobody wants to watch that. Baseball purists like that. That's that's marketing to the 56 year old man, but if you're trying to market to the 20 year old kid, or you're trying to let's say you're trying to market to a 15 year old, trying to market to a 15 year old who kind of likes baseball but he's more of a basketball kid, more of a football kid, you know what you do? You get him a game where each side has 20 hits, they put up a, they each put up 10, they each put up 12 runs. That kid's gonna have fun time watching that game. That's a fun game for him. That's the thing I think, that makes yeah. them want to go, like, oh, baseball is interesting. There's something to watch here.
0: I think baseball's already lost that game because baseball has now moved to becoming a preppy sport. And so but I think baseball's already lost that game of trying to get the elite athletes to come play their sport. They're, but they, I mean, it's not over for them. They can find some. My favorite case is Tim Anderson on the White Sox. Um, he's really freaking good at baseball. For people who are not baseball people on this podcast, because I know every now and then when we talk baseball, it isolates some people. But Tim Anderson is really freaking good at baseball, and he pimps bat flips, and he does like giant celebrations when he hits walk off homers into cornfields and all of that. And Tim Anderson has said like pretty publicly, "No, nah, I hate baseball. <laughs> Baseball's so super boring. <laughs> Baseball's." super white super boring but I'm really good at it and I can make millions of dollars doing it It's all the same for baseball he's really he's you know Kim Anderson is one of like I think 60 black players left in baseball at this point because money it money may be there in baseball but baseball doesn't really market their game other than to preppy ki- or I mean white kids but preppy kids. And that's why the sport is now moving in that direction. Tim Anderson's like, oh, I was always great at baseball, kept playing it, made it to the majors. Now I can make millions of dollars. It's all in the same. You don't have to love the game. You just got to get more people playing it to, you know, bring the best athletes over to the sport other than, you know, I think baseball is getting like fourth-tier athletes at this point because I think football, basketball, and soccer in America are probably getting the best male athletes. And then baseball is probably next of the group, if I had to say. So that's something that'll benefit the sport either way. Just get elite, inspire enough elite athletes to want to keep playing your sport. The good news for them is they have international pipelines. Same thing as the NBA where all the best players come from other countries now. So baseball is going to be fine that way. But if they want to market their game to people in America where most of the money is, just inspire enough people to play. Or, you know, you can go find pipelines elsewhere. That's true. Now, back to football, though. What is, what is your thoughts? Back to football. What's, what's on your mind coming off of maybe the greatest weekend ever where we just spent 15 minutes talking about baseball?
1: I think McVeigh is going to absolutely demolish the 49ers this
0: week. Ooh, okay. I like this because I've been, I've been talking for three weeks about how I don't understand the shanahan McVeigh thing, but I'd like someone to try and explain it to me, why it's only him. That seems to have 17 point comebacks against McVay and just unpants, who I think at this point is like universally regarded as the third best coach in the NFL.
1: Uh, I don't know what it has been, but I think that next, I just think this week is when he get. I think McVay gets the Shanahan monkey off his back. I think that as long as Matt Stafford doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Rams win with ease. Hence, that's why when you said last week that we were going to talk Bucks Packers, in my head, I was like, no, we're not. We're going to be talking Rams Packers because. The Rams are going to beat the Bucks. Mm-hmm. The game ended up being way closer than it should have been. No, they
0: should have won by 34.
1: They should yeah, have won. they should have blown them out. But at the same time, I was like, I'm picking Rams to win all day. I bet on the Rams to win and I won money on that because Good call. The, the because the Ram, I was like the Rams the Rams are the better team right now. And I was right. I think the Rams are just I think the Rams are doing what I say in every single sport, you have to do to win a championship. You have to play your best football at the right time and you have to be healthy at the right time. Rams are pretty damn healthy right now, and they're playing pretty damn good football on both sides of the ball.
0: And the Rams are revealing to us that everyone's kind of been doing this wrong for the past 10 years in how we do draft analysis and values of draft picks. I know everyone makes the Les Snead joke of fuck them picks, and he has the, the jacket. Or no, he has the coffee mug that says fuck them picks. But they've also kind of pointed out Draft picks don't really matter that much to teams that are right in a championship window because as soon as those picks get used they always decline in value unless you hit on a generational star or a really really good player those picks end up declining in value after they get used.
1: Yeah, so I mean also a major key to why they've been successful is the fact that they're they've done incredibly well at drafting on the late in the later rounds. They've they've merely pointed out that you have a higher success rate of trading top draft picks for established talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also, it's all built around Aaron Donald. Yes. Aaron, who how they, they drafted. drafted. Not They didn't trade for Aaron Donald. They didn't trade up for Aaron Donald. They drafted Aaron Donald.
0: They kind of lucked into Aaron Donald, given how talented he was coming out of the draft. It's just because nobody thought the defensive tackle position could be a game changer the way that an elite quarterback is a game changer.
1: Well, and it's not just that. It's also Aaron Donald is a freak. Mm -hmm. He's 6'1, 280 pounds. Everybody thought he was too small to be a defensive tackle. That's so that's, that's all mostly what it came down to is just, he didn't, he didn't meet the size criteria of what the greatest guys had ever been. So among defensive tackles, since 2000, and I think it's since 1990 or 1999, I believe it is. He was in the ninth percentile for height. He was in the 7th percentile for weight. 30th percentile <laughs> for arm length. 46th percentile for hand size. So in terms of size, he was tiny. Now, 91st percentile in bench press. 89th percentile in 20-yard shuttle. Three, uh, 97th percentile three-cone drill. 96th percentile broad jump. 98th percentile 40 yard dash 99th percentile 10 yard split 80th percentile vertical jump so he was a freak athlete but he was really small that's why he slipped so much in the draft because if he comes out and he's got Derek brown measurables and he's that size or if he's like if he's 300 pounds he's top five pick locked but he wasn't he was smaller and people didn't think that he could be a the defensive tackle that he's ended up being but no i think the rams are just the better team and I also think that they have proven that if you can hit your late round picks, your strategy works. However, if they are whiffing on these late round picks, then the whole strategy falls apart.
0: Yeah, then you're like the Patriots, where the Patriots couldn't replenish the young talent, and they just had to go with Winoviches all over the place to try and fill the gaps of you know, missing on a first round pick like Isaiah Wynn, who's actually turned out okay now, or missing on Nikhil Harry, missing on Sony Michelle. So like, you Miss- have
1: Cooper Cup, who you drafted in the third round. If mm-hmm. Cooper Cup doesn't become best wide receiver in football, or one of the best wide receivers of football, the whole strategy falls apart. It's not not super easy. Van Jefferson, another guy you drafted in the third round.
0: Yeah, they traded the Brandon Cooks, round. and then immediately with the pick they traded Brandon Cooks for got Van Jefferson. They got cheaper Brandon Cooks.
1: So that's so that's where it comes down to here is you have to hit on those later draft picks. So the strategy, so their strategy, works. If you hit your late draft picks, but if you don't hit your late draft picks but, and you're trading away these the trading for these top talents, the whole roster is very, very, very flimsy. So And you
0: live in a geographic location that people want to play because that's a great advantage that I think the Rams actually do have as much as people don't talk about it in the NFL because football wasn't in Los Angeles for 25 years, but People are cool, like really want to go to play in Los Angeles. Like the Chargers could take advantage of this too coming up this year, but people do really want to play there. And so they can, you know, get people in free agency on cheaper contracts just because the NFL also kind of, you know, colludes a little bit to drive down free agent dollar figures. But at the same time, they can bring in a lot of people just willing to sign with them who may not be as willing to sign with. Uh, well no Cincinnati teams that don't have elite quarterbacks like the Saints the Saints aren't going to be able to replenish their draft picks now uh, or replenish the players that are leaving in free agency the Patriots tried their best but they couldn't really get it all the way there because they didn't have the foundational pieces Rams have the foundational pieces and Odell Beckham wants to go play there and that's going to help them quite a bit in building out that roster yeah for like or whatever it is after
1: the, uh, due to the crash of Bitcoin, but yeah, (laughs) but yeah, (laughs) I I just, um, I sit here and I see a, I see a Rams team that I think is the better team. I think that they definitely have the advantage at quarterback. I think their offensive line is better. I think their pass rush is, I think they, I think their trench battle is better. Uh, like while the, I think the 49ers have a good pass rush. I just think the Rams one is better, especially, uh, Matthew Stafford is slightly more mobile than Jimmy. It's not, not great, but like he's slightly more mobile. Uh, it's more an receiver. indictment
0: of Jimmy than it is pro-Stafford.
1: Yes. Uh, you go to the weapons battle, like wide receiver, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, both great in their own ways. Van Jefferson, Jefferson. I like as a deep threat. No, 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 I'm talking like receivers here.
0: Yeah. Receivers,
1: tight them. ends and stuff. George Kittle, definitely a better tight end than Tyler Higby. Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham versus Brandon Ayuk and uh I think it's Juwan Jennings maybe. I think so. I and think then you so. got Cam Akers, Eli Mitchell. I like Eli Mitchell there. Secondaries where the huge like Jalen Ramsey obviously better than any corner the any corner the 49ers have. Linebacker that's San Francisco, but I just I think the Rams are a better team and I think that McVay gets out of his own way this week and just they win. That's what I think happens there. On the other side, I'm picking the Chiefs. And ultimately, I'm picking the Chiefs because they've been there before. And it's a really yeah. and it's a really old-school way of looking at it, of the, oh, well, I mean, just because the team's been there before doesn't mean they'll automatically win. I'm like, you're right. But the Chiefs have been there before, and I just think that they're a better
0: team. Let me frame it a different way. Why would you bet against the greatest four-year run of football we've seen in our lifetime? <laughs> Why would you bet against that at the end, against a, even a Bengals team? You know, the Bengals are pretty good, but you shouldn't bet against the Chiefs against anyone. Nonetheless, the Bengals, who are probably like the fourth best team in the AFC, you know, felt like. Yeah, felt. I, like mean, I, week, I bet against
1: gone. them last week because I bet on the Bills, and the Bills should have won the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the Bills should have won the game. <laughs> like, the Bills were as good as the Kansas City Chiefs this year, which is the first time in the past three years that we can say anyone was as good as the Kansas city chiefs. I think Buffalo is the closest thing to being as good as the Kansas city chiefs over the last three years. Sands, you know, losing all your offensive linemen and that super bowl, like no one has been as good as the Kansas city chiefs. So the fact that Buffalo was that close and Buffalo was as good as they are where, you know, if you switch all of their one possession games, they would have been like 15 and two this year. Then, you know, Buffalo was as good as Kansas City, and that's the first time that's happened since, I guess, maybe that Patriots team that won the Super Bowl in 2018 that did beat the Chiefs. Even if, you know, D4 doesn't jump off sides, Chiefs win that Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, past four years, no one's been as good as the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so that's ultimately what it comes down to here is just I think that the Chiefs are the better team. I think the Rams are the better team. Uh, I'm also picking the coach advantage in both. I think that McVay is a better coach than Shanahan. I think that Reed is a better coach than Taylor. And that's what. And so I'm picking, uh, crazily enough, I'm picking the two teams that I believe are the best teams to win this weekend.
0: Well, this is the thing I was trying to figure out in the aftermath of having to contemplate the possibility that the 49ers are going to end up in a second Super Bowl in three years. Like, what is it that makes the 49ers great?
1: They play their game.
0: But that doesn't work if you're the Titans.
1: No, 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 no. no. They play their game and they force you to play their game. And if you, the way you beat them is taking them out of their game by like making Jimmy throw. If Green Bay is able to score twice, like if Mercedes Lewis doesn't fumble that ball and Green Bay goes down and scores another touchdown, it's ball game. It's over. It's curtains. Corey Bajorquez could turn around and punt the ball out of the back of the end zone. Every drive doesn't matter. 49ers mm-hmm. aren't coming back because they can't move the ball through the air. I'll they put it this way. If, able to if... have the ability to run the ball. And since they, and since Green Bay couldn't build enough of a lead and they couldn't get out of their own way on offense and Rogers was playing too much hero ball and they just couldn't quite sustain drives. That's why they were able to come back. But that's how the Rams win this weekend. Is they play fast, they they get points on the board, and they force Jimmy to beat them because Jimmy's not going to beat you. There's not the oh well if he does beat you, you tip your cap. He's not going to beat you.
0: He's going to beat you if you give him a chance because let's let's not forget that the Packers did all that dumb shit. And again, if I said this also, if Rogers puts a ball four inches. To the left of aaron jones after the jimmy g pick in the first half he scores a touchdown instead of getting tackled at the 13 packers win anyways or if they would aaron have riders 14-0. throws the ball to
1: a wide open alan lazard instead of throwing it into Devontae adams who was double covered on the final drive the packers yep. win the game
0: so yeah the, or the packers uh, don't punt on fourth and two at midfield and give the 49ers back the ball with four minutes left in the first half if Lafleur goes for it and they get the first down. They're scoring at least three points there. So that's another, you know, you? Left on the board. you just, you just had a field goal blocked. Sure. But I mean, they get at least three best case scenario. They score six and it doesn't matter. Anyways, they're up 20 zero at halftime. The point being there. Yeah. All of that was wrong. And then Jimmy G went five for five on the final drive that set up the game winning field goal. So only when you gave him a chance could he beat you the thing that's beforehand is you're a better team than the 49ers which is the thing that I found fascinating is the 49 okay the part I will concede there is like in terms of getting lots of young really talented players all on rookie contracts 49ers did awesome like 49ers are the closest thing to Legion of Boom in the past 10 years where They hit on all of their draft picks all at the same time. And a lot of young players were all on rookie contracts during that first Super Bowl run. You could kind of count it this year because Bosa is still on a rookie contract and Warner's extension hasn't kicked in and all of that stuff. So they hit on all their picks to build this amazing team with stars on rookie contracts. Now I look up and I'm like, all those stars other than DeForest Buckner are still there but that's still, you know, under normal circumstances, shouldn't be good enough to beat the teams that have a similar number of great players and an elite quarterback. And I guess the way Shanahan has schemed around that is saying, let's put Debo at running back and Trent Williams at fullback and George Kittle running the same unguardable route, eight yards up the field, like use the three great players we have on offense to our advantage. Instead of trying to play like the other teams, let's just put Debo in weird places and Trent Williams blocking as a fullback and leading that. What if we just did stuff with those three players? And that's the way we're going to try and generate 13 points of offense to beat the green Bay Packers. They just play, they play
1: their game and they force you to make mistakes. Like that's, that's all it is. It's the 49ers don't do like a ton of crazy stuff. They just, they stick to their game and it works. It's very similar to how Belichick and new England have been so dominant forever. They'll add little wrinkles here and there, but for the most part, it's a pretty base system and they force you to play their game. And if you get them off of their game, the difference between Brady and Jimmy is Brady could win, could will you to a win. Jimmy's not going to do that. Jimmy can win if you give him a chance, but Jimmy's not going to will your team to a win the way Brady Russ, Herbert to a certain extent, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Allen, those guys. Like an elite quarterback would. He's not going to do that. So that's why I'm saying if the Rams – like the Rams could win this game pretty easily. All they have to do is force Jimmy to play. Like if you force Jimmy to play quarterback, it's ball game.
0: Well, this is the thing that's super fascinating about the Packers game is – if they go up by two scores at any point in that game, that's exactly what happens. Is that you're, They can't hide Jimmy G for the entire second half after he threw that pick to Adrian Amos. If you're down two scores, you have to do what the Ravens did a couple of years ago against the Titans, where Lamar throws 55 times, where Tom Brady throws 55 times in that game against the Rams. I know he didn't actually, but you know you're forcing quarterbacks to throw a lot especially if they are quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo that aren't actually that good. There's just a higher likelihood that they're going to make mistakes if they're throwing the ball over and over and over again. And by that point, you know, Pittsburgh's getting outscored by 32 points in two quarters because big Ben has to throw the ball all the time and then they make mistakes and the chiefs dominate them in the playoffs. Like that's kind of the arc that I thought would happen for the San Francisco 49ers. It's just the Packers gave it away, and so the 49ers end up getting through that round, and now it's kind of like, oh, maybe they can go to the Super Bowl because if if the Packers are going to fall apart, anyone can win in the NFC at that point, which, again, I think the Rams will win also, but I'm not going to be the one to bet against Shanahan and McVay thing just because I don't understand it.
1: Well, I mean, just there's certain guys that just have other guys' numbers, and that's largely been the case this thus far with Shanahan versus McBay. But I think that that changes this, this year. Um, that's why I'm on McBay. I'm picking the better
0: coach, and I'm picking a team that I think is the better team, especially with a better quarterback. I'm so fascinated by the Rams because when we were when we first started doing the podcast, it was the year after the Rams went to the Super Bowl, and so. The first year we were doing it, the Rams, like, fell off that one year where, you know, Jared Goff wasn't great. Todd Gurley got hurt. They had to totally redo the roster, all that stuff. And from there, they have basically redone the entire team. Because the thing that people don't talk about a lot is, like, McVeigh not only went to the Super Bowl that year, with the help of the pass interference call, of course, but they went to the Super Bowl that year with, like, 75% Jeff Fisher's players. And now this team, I think, only has, like – four holdovers from six years ago. Now, one of them being Aaron Donald and McVay and Les need, but you know, McVay gets the credit in some of these cases. Like they brought the players they wanted. They got the best possible team they could. And, and you know, they don't run the ball anymore. Everyone said McVay runs the ball all the time. They don't run the ball anymore. They're one of like four teams above 500 that lost time of possession this year. They, don't do the way they used to, but they just wanted to get Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Vaughn Miller, um, you know, obviously Leonard Floyd got a giant extension. They wanted to get all the players in there and said, we'll figure it out. Just give us the star players. We'll figure everything out from there if you give us talented players. And I find that super fascinating because it looks like, I mean, according to you and, you know, they're favored, they're going to go back to the Super Bowl three years later with an entirely different team than what they had back in 2018. That's super fascinating.
1: Well, I mean, you have an aggressive GM who's willing to make moves like that, especially with an aggressive owner in uh, Stan Kroenke, who is willing to spend the money to do so you can afford to make those moves. There's a reason that not every team does that. Not every team has a GM in place. That's secure in their job to make those plays. And he also knows that if the play doesn't work out, He's done for, but he's earned enough leash now to where he can make, he can take those risks. And if, as long as it works out
0: for him, he's okay. And he's golden. I mean, shouldn't other teams kind of follow this model a little bit, but the flip side is those other teams don't have the talented players as a base that the Rams had. Like Sean McVay was hired in the first place. He was like, this guy's really good with the running, with the zone running scheme. We have Todd Gurley. What can he do with Todd Gurley? And now it's kind of evolved into what can he do with his own team because he's proven he's the third best coach in the NFL. And he's one of these non-disposable coaches. I think it's interesting, I guess is the word for it. I know interesting doesn't command a lot there in terms of like expressing how fascinated I am by it, but you've given the foundation of solid players and built the rest in the sky around it and other teams you know, have had higher draft picks, higher opportunities to get those foundations, but, you know, not everyone has Aaron Donald, but also, you know, a third of the league now has a franchise quarterback that's, you know, we say elite quarterback, but, you know, there's only so many that are elite, but a third of the league has great quarterback play now, and that's a foundation any team would take. So I'm interested from the Rams' point of view of what is the what is the limit on this? Is this what's the limit on how great this team can be without having the without having Patrick Mahomes how great can this team be without having Josh Allen how great can this team be without having Lamar Jackson it's a super fascinating experiment because the thing i can i know what makes the rams great what makes the rams great is having Aaron Donald and alongside Aaron Donald Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and having the best corner in the NFL they have you know generational defensive tackle generational cornerback And they have a really, really non-disposable smart coach. Those are the things that make the Rams great. I don't think it'll stack up against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, but it's still pretty close when you put those two things together to get in the game of how can we make two Super Bowls in four years when nobody's making two Super Bowls in four years.
1: Okay, but hold on. So you said that's what makes the team great because of who they have alongside Aaron Donald. Do you know who was on the who like were the outside edge rushers when they went to the Super Bowl?
0: Yeah, it was bum ass Dante Fowler. And the Falcons are still paying Dante Fowler a gigantic contract because but, of it.
1: But <laughs> what I'm pointing out there is it's not it's not the guy, it's not Von Miller and it's not Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. I know it's not Leonard Floyd. It's Aaron, yeah. may, it's Aaron Donald that it's Aaron Donald That makes life easier on those guys.
0: I would say it it works twofold because the Rams have the Rams happen to have two of the their generation's best players on their team because I think Jalen Ramsey does something similar on the defensive side of the ball because he's so incredibly he's the best corner in the NFL and they have the best defensive tackle in the NFL so I think that part is definitely true to it. I you think mean they they had, just...
1: they had Marcus Peters at they had Marcus Peters at corner when they went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So 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 I'm I'm just pointing out that you, you you make a good point that the having the stars helps. I'm just pointing out that they were able to get by without these guys before. They had Corey Littleton, Mark Barron, John Franklin Myers, Michael but... Brockers. These these guys who s- thrived because they were surrounded by Like who had they? Oh, and Aqib Talib was on that team as well. That's right. I forgot about that. (laughs) But they had they had like Aaron Donald is the key. He's the skeleton key that makes life easier on everybody else because if Aaron Donald is in the middle, you can't go give him a one v one. So you that means you have to send extra help inside, which means that now your edge rushers have one v ones. That's why Dante Fowler was made to look so good in in Los Angeles because he was never guard. He was never double teamed. It was a 1v1 every single time.
0: Yeah, I would argue two points on this one, which is I think no team can make the Super Bowl without having an Aaron Donald type on their team. It doesn't have to be Aaron Donald. It just has to be an elite quarterback or an elite quarterback type. I think there's only like 15 or 16 of those players in the NFL right now, and like nine of them are elite quarterbacks. So, I don't think any team can make the Super Bowl without having at least one of those guys. And secondarily, that team also had what I regard as the greatest running back I've ever seen, even if he didn't play in the playoffs because of injuries finally catching up to him. Um, and having the greatest running back in the league also made Jared Goff a pro bowler. And I think that those two things in combination were the reason the Rams. With some luck, again, we talked about how that Saints game ended up where not only the pass interference call, but the Saints are the only team of the 11 sample size that won the coin toss in overtime in the playoffs and didn't win a playoff game. So that part working their way also got them to the Super Bowl by having Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald being those focal points. And now they have the same version of that with what they hope is Stafford, I guess (laughs) Stafford does just enough. He's kind of on the fringes of elite quarterback. And then you have Cooper cup now kind of being that version, I guess. So I think that team really benefited from having that Todd Gurley type in there. And then when they got to the super bowl against Belichick, they totally undressed them with no Todd Gurley for three points and Jared Goff not being good at football.
1: I mean that's the way the game goes though. You're going to mm-hmm. have you're you're going to have things go well until they don't. And for Green Bay this year, it was everything was going well and then they took 2 weeks off and it was just and it, and it looked like they took 2 weeks off. They couldn't get right. The Rams oh. were running roughshod over everybody in the league. And then they ran into Bill Belichick, who said, "You know what? We're going to force Jared Goff to beat to beat us." And Jared Goff couldn't do that. And now the Rams are going into Sunday. Are going into Sunday? It's Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVay. It's Matt Stafford versus Jimmy Garoppolo. If the Rams are smart, it's we're going to stop the run, and we're going to make Jimmy beat us. And the Rams need to go and say, "All right, Matt." do what we brought you here for, which is get the ball and start chucking it everywhere because this secondary can't hold up.
0: Mm-hmm. And your running game is not actually that good. So it's better off to play into your strengths. Just throw the ball all over the place. It's why once they got the lead against the Bucks on Sunday, I was like, why are they trying to run the ball? Just throw screen passes. It accomplishes the same thing. You just use the you spread the field more instead of trying to run against the best rushing defense of the last 10 years. I was like, just why are you running it? Just start throwing screen passes over and over. It's, it's your strength. Play your strength against their weakness. And yeah, I think the Rams will end up winning that game. But I'm not going to say the Rams are going to win the game because I don't understand the Kyle Shanahan math of, hey, we've got three really great players on offense. Let's just only use them. <laughs> Let's just put Debo at running back. He's our RB1 now. Kittle's our wide receiver one. Trent Williams is our left tackle and our fullback, and I assume he'll catch a pass at some point here. And that's our way of countering is we're going to dominate time of possession, and we're only going to let our star players touch the football because we got to win one game. And when we got to win one game, we're going to pull out different tricks than we would in the regular season.
1: Yep. And I think that Sean McVay still has those tricks up his sleeve. I think that he's got the right. I think he, I think Sean McVay pulls out the like, the just everything I think he goes full all of the stops this week, and that's why that I just think that there's no Matt's that as long as Matt Stafford doesn't implode, I see I see the Rams comfortably winning this game. I understand that the Rams have already, also it's really hard to beat a team three times in one season,
0: mm-hmm. and, and 49ers 2 0 this year, and I don't think that they go 3 0. I'll take it a step further with the McVeigh pulling out all the tricks. I don't even think McVeigh needs the tricks because they have a better team than the 49ers. It's not, you know, it's not a gigantic gap, but they, de- they have a much better team than the San Francisco 49ers. And so he might not even need the tricks to pull out the victory. They just need to play the way they play and their talent will overplay the 49ers one as long as you don't make all the dumb mistakes you did against the Buccaneers once you actually got that lead.
1: Yeah. The the only reason I said that I think he pulls out the stops is I think you put some eye candy out there and give whoever you're going to play in the Super Bowl, whether that be the Chiefs or the Bengals, they'll know at that point because this
0: game's going to be in prime time. This is the prime time. I mean, I would have put Bengals Chiefs in prime time, but this is going to be the prime time game. So they'll know who they're going to play in the Super Bowl.
1: You know why this is the prime time game, right?
0: Uh, because every year the NFL alternates AFC, NFC. In no, the prime no, time. no, 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 they do, no, no. Market. No, they do do that. They uh, yeah, that that's AFC fair. AFC,
1: but what I'm pointing AFC. out is the bo- you got two California teams. You, had the Californ- you have two California markets versus Cincinnati and Kansas City. I think the NFL would have broken their own rule if it didn't fall in NFC getting the primetime game this year to get two California market teams in the primetime slot.
0: They do that for their television partners is that they're like, we don't know who's going to be best and which one's not. So we just alternate every year between one year, NFC first, AFC second, next year, AFC first, NFC second. They do that. I think they've been doing that for like eight years now or something like that, where they just, for their television partners alternate the conference championship games year over year because last year the the bucks the bucks packers game was first last year and then the bills chiefs was second the year before that the titans chiefs was first and then the 49ers packers game was at night then the year before that oh yeah Rams saints was first patriots chiefs was prime time they just do alternating things but that's just something I picked up on over the years. Is, is that they do that?
1: No, no I, I agree yeah. that they. I understand it's alternating, but you have yeah. two California teams. They were going to be your primetime slot.
0: Yeah, in the absence of elite teams besides the Kansas City Chiefs, they, they wanted to go alternating. I guess the Rams are technically fifth best team in the NFL, but and they. I think the Bucks and Packers would have been regarded as elite teams by the NFL's standards of the season maybe the rams are also kind of i mean there's a giant conspiracy theory
1: floating around that the uh nfl rigged it to where san francisco would win because the california market would have made them a lot more money than green bay would have so that's it's not even true like i just said that's a conspiracy theory i didn't say it was real
0: oh i'm not saying i'm not saying you think it's real i just i the conspiracy theory is not even grounded in logic because it's like the nfl is a national sport they don't they don't depend on regions of the country to to tune in because everyone's going to tune in no matter what. They don't necessarily rely on different markets the way that the NBA does or the way that MLB does because they need people to tune in from big markets. They, you know, 49ers people will tune in. They'll get higher ratings, but it's all it's less important in the NFL because they do 50 million people per game compared to the NBA that I think did like 14 million during the finals last year or something between the Bucks and the Suns. Uh, it's, it's less important for their bottom line But also, they can't control it snowing And it, I, I've been saying all week There is an alternate universe somewhere Where the Packers decided to build a dome stadium Back in the 1990s And they won six championships Because they didn't have to deal with the snow For two teams that are high-powered throwing offenses Yeah, but at the same time The Green
1: Bay Packers should have known How to play through that snow I mean,
0: they did play through the snow. They just had the dumbest shit happen at the end where four inches on an Aaron Jones pass, a blocked field goal, and a blocked punt. And that was the reason they lost.
1: Yeah, but they, I mean, for one, Aaron Jones has never been the fastest running back. I i like him being all, like thrown off on that angle by a couple of inches. I don't think that that made the difference. I think that safety would have caught him. Um, I think they just, I think Green Bay was destined to lose. It was their game to it wasn't their game to win and that ended up being the final result
0: yeah and unfortunately that was how it all came to a close for your beautiful green bay packers i know we were talking about the nfc championship and brought it back to the packers so apologies for that one that we brought. No, like i said at the
1: very beginning man i'm not i'm not bitter It, it happens every a lot of teams lost there can only be one super bowl winner every year there's 18 teams that don't make the playoffs every year um. So the fact that my team did make the playoffs is is a win over those other 18 teams. And they yeah. made it to the second round of the playoffs. I don't care if it was by a buyer or not, They, but they made it to the second round of the playoffs. That's something that, uh, what, would, what would that be? Another 24 teams don't get to do. So mm-hmm. that's a win.
0: And something that the Packers, once they lose Aaron Rodgers, probably won't get to do for another 10 years.
1: That's fine. Yeah. I mean, Jordan loves better than everybody gives him credit for, but that's okay with me.
0: Oh, no, I think they can win 11 games next year with Jordan Love. I think that's totally fair. I think if if Matt Jones can get 10, Jordan Love could get 11. And, you know, the Packers have a more talented team. So, you know, Jordan Love will be fine. Packers will be fine. They just won't be 30 years of dominating the NFL fine. The, the thing that I've also, you know, this can be our last point that I've found – Going into the sausages, I'm not actually excited for the where is Aaron Rodgers going to go talk, because I'm fairly certain at this point, Aaron Rodgers doesn't even know where he's going at this point. And if Aaron Rodgers doesn't even know where he's going, then a lot of this is just kind of speculating of possibilities and things of these sorts. And I don't think it's actually that important where Aaron Rodgers ends up going, because unless he's going to a team that has lots of other star players, it's not going to actually matter in the grand scheme of things. It's going to be more of like a retirement tour for him, the way Tom Brady's has been. I know Tom Brady won the championship last year, but the Bucs, like you said, healthy at the right time, happened to beat the Saints because Drew Brees threw three interceptions. You know, they lucked into a lot of their success last year, but I, I don't think the Buccaneers have been an elite team at really any point in the last two years other than, during that Super Bowl run, I think the Aaron Rodgers thing isn't as exciting to me. I'm just not as interested by the, where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? Because ultimately Aaron Rodgers will just go wherever Aaron Rodgers wants to go.
1: Yeah, no, I don't, I, I'm not excited for the the Aaron Rodgers stuff, but at the same time, I'm more ignoring it. It's just going to like, he'll go wherever he goes. He'll either be in Green Bay or he won't. I honestly think that there's only two really ways that this goes. I think Rodgers either plays in Green Bay or he retires.
0: Yeah, I think people aren't talking about the retirement possibility enough, but I think Aaron Rodgers is coming off back-to-back MVPs, so I think even he wants to prove to himself maybe, but I don't know what Aaron Rodgers values. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers thinks about what he wants to do with his you know, final years of his career or post-career or how he wants to transition from being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever into you know whatever he does post-career. Um, So I think it's just speculation of someone that we don't have a lot of information on and you know, it'll be interesting once he actually does move teams, that'll, that'll create more interesting conversation, but the process of doing it, I don't think is that interesting.
1: Yep. Until we get to that point, there is definitely nothing more we can do than speculate or just focus on everything else, which is what I intend to do. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about watching everybody talk about where he's going to go. I'm not worried about what everybody thinks I am. I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy the things that I want to enjoy. Uh, I'm going to pay attention to basketball, and I'm going to watch these final couple weeks of the NFL season,
0: and not watch baseball because we're not going to have baseball at the start yeah, that of the is, year. That is true. That is sad. Yeah. We're not not going to watch baseball, but we will have a lot of fun at NBA. Anything interesting going on in the NBA? I haven't watched a basketball game since Christmas. Any and team any- can
1: win on any night, and then
0: blowouts abound but isn't that just regular season basketball always like regular season basketball always has anyone can win on any given night, just because the games, I mean, one, everyone's trying to stay healthy for the playoffs, but two, the games are kind of irrelevant.
1: Yeah. It can happen on any night nights, any other season, but this season's extra weird. There are just, there have been countless times where, teams are minus 1,000 or more betting favorites and they lose. And it's like, what the, and they lose at home. It makes, it <laughs> makes no sense. There's, there's been so many just wacky losses all year. Like the bucks had a record of like st- something, something. And four with, uh, with Giannis holiday and Middleton all in the lineup. And then they lost to the, I think it was the Orlando magic, like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, there's yeah. just, so there's just so there's the whole like when i say any team can win on any night that's it's legitimately any team can win on any night so was that but,
0: the was that the game where mo Bamba had like 27 in the no match, no that was against long. that was
1: against philly
0: oh uh, that's right
1: because he had because like 27 Embiid first, had like yep. 54 yes
0: that that was what i was gonna say i was like they no one talked about it after the 27 points but yeah like and beat had like a 50 point triple double or something like that yeah and had a
1: Huge game. And okay, so it was a here it is. I it was January 3rd, I believe it was. The uh, the Bucks had lost to the Detroit Pistons.
0: <laughs> that, that's even worse than the 10 One <laughs>
1: 115 to 106. Is this is this the game? Yep, you had Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen. So minus Brooke Lopez, normal starting five. Giannis goes for 31 on 21 shots. Holiday had 29 on 19 shots. Chris Middleton went 3 of 10. Uh, As a team, they shot 11 of 46 from three-point range. The Pistons shot 18 for 43. That's a 41% three-point percentage. Uh, On the year, I believe the Pistons are shooting like 34% or something like that from downtown. I had it pulled up here. Yeah, they're shooting 31.8% as a team this year from three-point range. And in that game, they shot 43%. So it was just, when I say any team can win on any night, that's what I mean.
0: <laughs>
1: Are the Memphis Grizzlies the third best team in the Western Conference? Uh, pro- probably because they have depth. Josh Jackson, whose career is a 29.4% sh- three-point shooter, shot five of seven that night. <laughs> <laughs> so the NBA makes no sense. Right now, <laughs> Memphis is your third best team in the West. Uh, I'd <laughs> probably say they're probably fourth. Uh Lakers Cause Bay I think, he, I think Dallas, Utah is Denver. fully Utah, fully healthy. I would take <laughs> Phoenix, gold state, Utah
0: over Memphis. I forgot Utah. I went Lakers, Denver and Dallas before getting to Utah. Cause that's, that's my rule is whenever you think Utah is good. They're not, Utah is never, never going to be good. Sorry, I think Utah. Memphis has
1: good depth. Memphis, like Memphis has that going for them. But in terms
0: of like overall top end talent, I would take the, I would take Utah there. Dude, Memphis hit on so many, like, middle-of-the-first-round picks. Like, I don't know what they did to, to do de- player development, but, like, Desmond Bain is awesome. They took uh, the Rams awesome. uh, scouting staff. <laughs> they took the Rams scouting staff and turned Desmond Bain, who was about to walk off from his freshman year of junior college, or I think it was either junior college or at TCU. He was going to walk off during his freshman year had to be convinced to come back and then turned into an NBA superstar (laughs) or not superstar, but just a really good NBA player. That's him in the 30th pick Clark. uh, You know, they got John Morant, obviously was the top pick, but Kyle Anderson free agency. Fine. They interesting. Shout out Memphis. I forgot it.
1: Memphis has been a good team this year. And I think that they're the classic team. That's a good team. They have a star player and they have a lot of depth around them. I just don't think that they're, I think they're still a year away or so.
0: Well, isn't this the classic arc of teams that get a generational talent with a rookie? Is like the first year they played in the play-in game, and then they won the play-in game and lost in the first round, and now they'll win two games in the first round, and then they'll win a playoff series, and yeah, they'll go through that process, and then they'll try and acquire a better second-best player than Jaron Jackson, or a better second-best player than Dylan Brooks, and then they'll make another leap and then someone will join them and they'll get to the conference finals. Maybe that seems kind of like, and then John Morant will hit his prime. That seems to be kind of the classic arc of teams that find generational talents in the draft is that it's very slow the first four years and then one big move happens and you get in the game or you never get in the game and that player ends up leaving.
1: Yeah, they are definitely on the classic arc of, Slowed of of how superstar teams generally go, where they have the young superstar
0: and then he just they just gradually get better around him. Yep, the Suns did it, uh, the Nuggets did it. Uh, who else am I thinking of? Toronto did it a few years back. Uh, Philadelphia did it. Philadelphia skipped a couple steps because they jumped right into the second round of the playoffs. Um, yeah, they're kind of on that classic arc of team. Even Minnesota's starting to do it now. Minnesota got the ant man and he's now with towns and they're slowly building their way into getting into the conversation. Even even Minnesota's getting there because all the I, the bottom five in the Western Conference is really bad. Oh, yeah.
1: The bottoms of most conferences are generally bad though. That's not news.
0: Yeah, but like the the Hawks are like twelfth in the East this year, and I thought the Hawks are still pretty good. I know it's just like they're separated by one game, but the Eastern Conference only really has two crappy teams. It's the magic. The Hawks are and also
1: beat up to all get out. But yes, now the bottom of the Western Conference is a absolute dumpster fire.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Josh Jackson, and that made me laugh, not just because it's Josh Jackson, and that's a very funny name, but because uh, as, as an adopted Sacramento Kings fan, I live <laughs> just outside of Sacramento now, um, and, and as an adopted Kings fan, Josh Jackson is known as the Suns had to screw up royally in order for good things to happen to the Kings because De'Aaron Fox was the pick right after Josh Jackson. And so it took the, the Kings – or it took uh, Phoenix messing up royally for good things to happen to Sacramento. Only when someone else does something catastrophically bad do the Kings luck their way into star players.
1: And then he also – and then now there's a giant debate on whether or not Fox is actually good. He's fine yeah he's fine but i mean you're paying a guy like 30 million dollars a
0: year to be fine well yeah but the sacramento kings are minor league basketball they're not playing the same game as everyone else sacramento kings are like what are we going to do not pay him 30 million dollars like it's the best thing we've had in like 15 years well boogie cousins there. it's the best thing we've had in like 10 years like what are we going to do not pay him a ton of money wait to get a player better than him no it's never going to happen we just got to accept that he's our best player and we're always gonna be four games out of the playoffs with five to play. Yeah, no,
1: I'm not I'm not denying that he's I'm not denying that you had to pay him. I'm just saying
0: that there's a debate on whether or not he's good. Yeah, no, it's fair. He's he's a top fifty player. He's not not an all star, but he's a he's a very good player. He's like in that Brandon Ingram class. Like very good player, very talented, top former draft pick. He just needs needs to be the third best player on a playoff team, you know. It's not, it's not that bad, but, you know, it's pretty good. Just on a on a team that can win a playoff series, he's got to be the third best player. Maybe that starts with getting Ben Simmons, but they have to give him up to get Ben Simmons. So, you know what? We'll we'll figure out the building blocks somehow. Or he'd have to go Halliburton. Yeah, yeah, but I would do that in a heartbeat. I think the, the, the Sixers would be like, why would we do Buddy Heald and Halliburton for... Than Simmons. I mean, Halliburton's
1: a better player than Fox is right now.
0: eh, eh. Halliburton, I'm not sure about that. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is really good. Halliburton is pretty good. They need Halliburton to be better than De'Aaron Fox if they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think Halliburton's a better player right now than Fox.
1: Halliburton's at least a natural point guard, whereas... Fox has not shown the ability to be that yet. Fox has shown that he's a guard that he's a combo guard that handles the ball, but he's listed as a point guard because he's not very big. Uh, Halliburton
0: shoots 43% from three. That's actually really good.
1: Yeah, well, but how, but what I'm pointing out is Halliburton is at least has the passing and distributing skills of a point guard.
0: Yeah, I mean, but where would you put De'Aaron Fox in as like a position? Because De'Aaron Fox is kind of like these Russell Westbrook types where Russell Westbrook
1: averaged a triple-double. He's had multiple 20-20-20 triple-doubles in his career.
0: Yeah. I'm not saying he's as good as Russell Westbrook. I'm saying he's one of these Russell Westbrook types where he needs to be ball-dominant. His skill set is being more athletic than everyone else because I think he's like 100 and – he's under 200 pounds. I think his weight starts with a one. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think his weight starts with a number one. And he's like – 6'6 six, six, or 6'4 six, or something like that and just a freakish athlete so i mean maybe i mean he what is Aaron fox's numbers let's see he's 6'3 six, six, 185
1: he averages 21 points 3.8 rebounds 5.2 assists he shoots
0: has more assists than him
1: he shoots 45.8 percent from the field thirty twenty four point eight 24.8 percent from three-point range
0: oh yeah no he's bad as a shooter i remember that from the time that i watched him play I think it was. Uh, I think it was the 2020 season. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not. A and good he's shooter. a
1: 74 percent shooter from the free throw line.
0: Seven. I mean, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> um, I I always knew he wasn't a great shooter. He had a season where he shot 37 percent from three. Jesus Christ, when did that happen? <laughs> he uh, went from 37 percent to 25 percent from three. Shot
1: 2.9 attempts per game that year. That was the year that he had he had 232 attempts. That was the second most he's ever taken in a season.
0: Wow! I mean, that was when he that was when he got the 30 million dollar contract. Now, now he can't shoot threes. That's interesting. I guess career year numbers. That's how it goes. I mean, what was that? His second year or his third year? Second year. Second year. And then he kind of. I mean, he did dip off before getting the extension. They just kind of had to do it at that point. Yeah, they yeah. were already in. You're right. I guess. I guess it's not very good for De'Aaron Fox. He did. I mean, I forgot he averaged 26 points a game last year. But yeah, you're right. It's it's not looking. It's not too pretty for De'Aaron Fox at this point. Yep. But, I guess it was more an indictment of Fox than it was pro Halliburton. I guess that was kind of your point there. Yeah,
1: my thing is just like I mean, granted, I do think Halliburton's a very good player. I don't think that he's the. Uh, you're not building around a trade around him. I just think that he is a talented enough player that in that if you could find that, you'd have to find the salary, but Halliburton and Heald make a lot of sense for Philly. And I think they make more sense than
0: De'Aaron Fox does. This went, this went on a weird tangent here of last question to now doing in-depth Sacramento Kings basketball, but let me see if I can throw a, a trade real quick together here to match Benson. Oh, Buddy Heald's got a giant contract. So Buddy Heald could, could make that one happen. Let's see. Heald and Halliburton. Would no, that would work. Uh, they'd probably have to throw in some picks, but it works money wise to do Buddy Healed and Tyrese Halliburton. But
1: are they going to throw? Or would it be willing to throw in picks because you're not even convinced that Simmons wants
0: to be there. I, I mean, I assume they wouldn't pull the trigger without getting a, a nod from Simmons. I feel like that would be kind of a that'd be kind of a dumb move on their part to make that move. If they didn't want to do picks, they could also just throw in Davion Mitchell. Like, he was their first-round pick this year. That well, still I mean, work. the
1: uh, we all know that uh, the Kings have always – have never done anything stupid in their life. <laughs> they've ma- never made a dumb play in their – they've never made a dumb decision, Marvin Bagley. No. Then.
0: He's still there. Like, he was complaining about leaving two years ago. He's still there. I can't believe it. He's still there. Also um. – one of the saddest things ever was them chanting MVP for Rashawn Holmes at the one game that I went to. It was one of the saddest moments I've ever seen watching basketball. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Shout out out Sacramento Kings.
1: Yes. Shout out the Sacramento Kings.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sacramento. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to bring us on board, I'm like down the road a bit here. So if you want, if you want a job, I'll say nice things about the Kings. If you're willing to pay us, I, I can, I can do pro Kings propaganda instead of always bringing up that they're four games out of the playoffs with five to play every single year of my lifetime. Literally my lifetime, they last made the playoffs in 2006. And you know how you were talking about thinking that Manning and Brady were scheduled every year for ratings. Uh, the first time the Lakers won the championship, I thought there were only eight teams in the NBA and <laughs> the Lakers beat the Celtics or no, the Lakers beat the magic in the championship. I thought there were only eight teams that existed in the NBA. So literally as long as I've been watching basketball, the Kings have been four games out of the playoffs with five to play. <laughs> So they're always they're
1: always close enough to be around but they're never actually gonna make do anything and they're also not bad enough to just be in the like get a number one pick that's how it goes
0: except well except the one time they did and they took marvin bagley over luka Doncic.
1: yeah but again dumb decisions
0: Yeah, of course of course but that's the name of the game for the sacramento kings it's It's really hard in the NBA to not make the playoffs for 15 straight years. It's really hard to do that in a sport that has like over half the league makes the playoffs. It's really hard to be that bad for that long. Eventually you just mess around and you end up getting boogie cousins. Like eventually you just luck your way into something.
1: Nah, the Kings are just bad.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've been calling them minor league basketball for years. Like, they're not playing the same game as everyone else. They exist for other teams to go get victories. Any move they make does not matter. Uh, my, my favorite stat was that uh, in the last – gosh, I can't remember what it was now. I think in the last – it was a large number of games with Boogie Cousins. They were like – I think they finished 36-48. and 48. And then in the first 82 games after they finished 36-48 and 48 or something like that, it was something weird like that. But they, they've basically been the exact same team forever because, yeah, they luck into De'Aaron Fox. Now do anything better than De'Aaron Fox. It's just it's not going to happen because they can't find players better than De'Aaron Fox who actively want to go to Sacramento.
1: Yeah, that's why you have to hit in the draft. And when you don't, this is the problem you run into.
0: Or you can, you can give Gordon Hayward a bunch of money. Like, they could have done that a few years ago, but they had no cap space because they gave $80 million a year to Corey Joseph, Harrison Barnes, uh, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Derlon Wright had a gigantic contract in there. They, they just gave a bunch of mid-level people a ton of money.
1: Yeah, because the Stars didn't want to come there, so they had to get that money to somebody, and then the Sour 16s were taking up all the
0: cap space. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get Gordon Hayward to come play for them. <laughs> it would have made a big difference for them, but they couldn't get Gordon Hayward to come play in Sacramento. That's the, that's the minor league basketball they're playing is, can we get in the Gordon Hayward sweepstakes?
1: Yep. That's a heck of a big fish there.
0: Yep. No. Appreciate you coming on, Gage. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Same good to you. On the Rams.
1: Good, luck to your, uh, good luck to your Niners, sir.
0: I don't want to be that team's. I don't want to be that team's wagon. I'll take the chiefs. I'll take the chiefs as my team. We'll call them my chiefs at this point. Well, In that case,
1: good luck to your chiefs,
0: sir. (laughs) That one makes me feel better. We will see. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E. AV on YouTube.